Hi, I'm Britton LaRue, and this is Moon to Moon. Moon to Moon is a space to consider, celebrate, and share the ways we come home to ourselves, anchor through change, and uncover our power. One month, one phase, one loving step at a time. Welcome to Moon to Moon. It's Britain. And this episode is a set of contemplations, musings, conversation on the topic of the audacity of naming yourself a magical person. I feel like that's a really rich title. Um... I feel like there's so many doorways in and there's so many perspectives to have on this. And so I wanted this riff to be shared with others. And what I'm going to be sharing with you here in this episode are the musings, the brilliance, the genius of three of my friends, magicians, Chels, Lily, and Cole, who I'll introduce in a minute. Maybe some people grow up calling themselves a magical person and they never waver from it and they always are like rooted and consistent and committed to their identity as a magical person. But I think that for most people, Maybe in your childhood, some child's parts of you were connected to a sense of a magical self, a magical self. But that there being potentially a process of loss or death or theft of that connection to yourself. And that a self-concept as being magical for many people is something that's lost. And whatever you want to define magical as, like that is an open word. It's so open, like let's never try to fully define it. (laughs) Whatever it means to you, My guess is that like most of us, there's a grief. There's a grief that we carry and being disconnected of like breaking our handhold and being pulled away from the self that we feel is magical. And so I think for most people, at least in my circles, 
The sense of coming into one's magical self is like a, a homecoming. It's a return. It's a process of um, unlearning, of reprogramming. And in many ways, it's a death process because all initiations are death processes as we let go of what needs to be released in order to be reborn in some way. And it is an ancient human practice to rename oneself at the completion of initiations. This is nothing new. (laughs) It's nothing this modern white gal just came up with. You know, like we have been doing this as humans a long time and many modern folk have been cut off from this process. And so the return to oneself as a magical person, as a magical self, feels to me like um, both a rebirth and a remembering. Um, As you return to a place that you've been before, you also release what you don't need anymore in order to be there again. So I feel like audacity is a really nice thing to have <laughs> to um, to embody that courage, the swagger, the hope that maybe even like <laughs> unforeseen or reckless or wild to us as we make that return happen and go ahead and name ourselves what we already actually know that we are, right? Magical people. Um, Naming yourself is, is a sacred thing, whether that's like an actual single name, like a name change. Or whether it's like a, what you think of yourself as, like identity-wise. And um, I think audacity is a word that I like here because what I found in this world of magic and naming oneself as a magical person, like for my part, from my experience, like, Nobody was going to give me permission. I was the only person that was going to give me permission to do that. And so it required my own audacity. Like audacity was the trait that me, Britton LaRue, on her path (laughs) needed. It may not be what everyone needs, but but I found that others resonate with audacity being pretty great as a as a mantle as a as a quality to embody when we're like I guess I'm going to have to do this 
I guess I'm going to be the one to have to claim this for myself because I'm not seeing I'm not seeing the structures, the institutions, the the wisdom elders who are going to just make sure that I understand that I can name myself as this. And maybe it's my own audacity that will send this permission back and forth through timelines of my spirit and my my ancestral lineages lineages <laughs> so there's my name there's my name for the conversation and i asked folks who participated in the magician's table 2022 um if you know if anyone would make some space or anyone felt called to hang out and have this conversation and like all conversations that i have with these individuals especially when we're together Beautiful, magical words are spoken. So I'm excited to share this conversation with you because um, all three, Chels, Lily, and Cole, just like had me just like stomping my feet with excitement hearing what was coming from them. So let's get moving towards that conversation. I want to share their bios so you're a little bit introduced to them before um, you start hearing from them. So Cole is with us. Um, Cole, she, her is a word weaver, tarot traveler, and magic maker. A Virgo sun and Gemini rising, she finds Mercury fascinating and confounding in blissfully unequal measure. She attains her joy in constellating with her community and aims to elevate and empower her tarot clients as a guide at their side, rather than to lead the way from a distance ahead. Cole spent her 20s and early 30s pursuing a career in psychology as a family therapist, rediscovering her love for tarot just before her first Saturn return. In the nine years that have passed since this rekindling, she has embraced her role as a lifelong student and seeker, standing now at the crossroads of wisdom and mystery, knowing there are many more trails to uncover. Perhaps she will show her a path you have found. In the digital realm, Cole is the creator of the forthcoming website Rosie Cole Reads, a medley of invitations and explorations centered on creative expression and tarot adventuring, and you can find her on Instagram and Substack under the title at Rosie Cole Reads. On the physical plane, she is often surrounded by open books, chugging iced coffee, burning incense, quoting movies, and bothering her cats. In either dimension, she will try to make you laugh. What a great bio, Cole. Thank you so much. And then we have Lily. Lily of the Valley, she, they, is an intuitive artist and community builder living on unceded lands of the Anishina Bewaki near Gichigami, referred to as Lake Superior in northern Wisconsin. They are a poet, magician, and all-around rabble-rouser offering readings and consultations in astrology, 
tarot oracle practice, and sound meditation. Recently, Lily has begun providing their research librarian skills to burgeoning magical scholars as they explore astrology more deeply. Also, in their multitudinous identity roster lists, they are a witch who is slowly working on fresh take, a fresh take on Italian kitchen magic and nature-based delights. Lily wants nothing more than for everyone to find their magical voice and join in the revolution. You can find her on Instagram at, at @lilychristina, and I'll have links for everyone. And Lily is a Scorpio rising, Pisces sun, and Aquarius moon, which she'll tell you in introductions. And then Chels Holmes. Chels Holmes is an intuitive astrologer, tarot reader, and lifestyle coach offering readings and workshops online and around the Dallas, Texas area. Chels has worked with many facets of woo for years and her, with her previous career in corporate and nonprofit leadership development, she helps you gain perspective on how to best navigate daily life in your own way and find connection to yourself, other, nature, and beyond. Check out Chels's weekly astro forecast podcast, Weekly Woo with Chels, for tips on using the energies of the week ahead. And then I will have the links to uh, Chelsea all in the show notes. Or Chels, I've never called you Chelsea. Chels, um, thank you. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for being here. I'm so proud to know you. And I'm excited to share our conversation on the audacity of naming yourself a magical person. Enjoy. Let me add, before I share this conversation, I'm realizing that I didn't introduce the magician's table for anyone who's just finding moon to moon or they're just finding my work. They're landing on this conversation because they care about the topic of this conversation and they're like, what? (laughs) So what I'm going to do then is direct you to the outro on the other side of this conversation where I'll tell you more about it. But the Magician's Table is a three-month experiential container that I offer from late March until late June. The tag of the subtitle of the, of the offering is called A Workshop Circle for Emerging Readers. I only take 12 people per cohort, per group, plus one other person who acts as both a participant and like my assistant or my apprentice, and that that role is called the 13th Reader. This year, that's Rebecca Paget. And so if you are excited about what I'm sharing here, if you are feeling this emergent excitement about calling in the audacity to name yourself a magical person, <laughs> if if you are resonant with our voices of how we're describing the experience of the magician's table, then I'm encouraging you to hang out to the other side of this conversation and also to check out other episodes that are I'm putting out around this time, which will all have lots more information about this container. All right. Thank you.
Welcome to Moon to Moon, y'all. Thank you so much. Thank so you for coming to talk about the audacity of naming yourself a magical person. Let's, the topic. <laughs> let's begin with um, introductions and then we'll just roll on into the conversation. Um, if you could share your name and your pronouns, maybe your sun, moon, rising. And I'd love it if you could share the modality that you came to the magician's table to workshop. And then if that shifted, let us know where you are today. Um, so Lily, do you wanna kick us off? Sure, absolutely. Um, my name is Lily of the Valley. Um, I'm a Pisces sun, Aquarius moon, Scorpio rising. I came into the magician's table working on uh, kind of sacred altar uh, creation that I do oral or oracle and tarot pulls around with my sound bowl and some sound bath and uh, sound meditation sessions. Um, now I'm working on a little bit more just astro inspired tarot and oracle readings and some straight astrology sessions uh, for offerings as well and looking to expand into some sound uh, work in a physical space where I'm at currently. Mm, thank you. Cole? Hi, I'm Cole or Rosie Cole. Um, my pronouns are she, her. Uh, my son, I'm a Virgo sun, Taurus moon, Gemini rising. Uh, the modality I came into Magician's Table with was tarot. Uh, tarot's uh, an early love of mine, and that's what I've continued to do in strengthening that, building up my style, and um, also just going with the flow of that. So looking to um, expand in that area and keep the readings coming and things like that. So I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Chels? I'm Chels Holmes. Uh, she, her. I'm a Cancer Sun, Pisces Moon, and Sagittarius Rising. And I came to the Magician's Table for confidence. But the modality that I came <laughs> with was astrology and tarot. Uh, that is still what I go forth with today, but in a much more blended, mixed way with my readings. Um, I offer uh, a lot of different things these days, but always come back to astrology and tarot. Thank you. <laughs> and Cole, I'm loving your Mercury symbol earrings. Just noticing them. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So I was thinking about that just the, the title, the audacity of naming yourself a magical person. Like already we can break down so many things. Like, what does it mean to name yourself? What is a magical person? What does it mean to name yourself a magical person? What part of yourself, like how is audacity part of this? Um, so I would love to just begin a conversation then that has to do with like, for you, what is it meant to name yourself even generally much and then naming yourself a magical person? What does it mean to you? Like, how did you get close to this? Um, what, what was the process of getting to naming yourself a magical person? And feel free to just take some time with that. Anyone want to go first? I can jump in. Um, I think that names are so powerful, whether it's your given name, chosen name, how you describe yourself. It's 
what we categorize ourselves into sort of some of these boxes in the world, if you will, to help others understand who we are. And so it, there's a lot of power in that. And um, I think it's really beautiful and terrifying as I think about many, many things in life. And um, I think that, especially in my time in TMT, I, uh, leading up to that, have had quite a spiritual awakening and saw magic all around me and in all the people around me. But there was still so much of that everyone gets to be magic, but I, I don't know about me kind of thing. I don't know if I'm, you know, insert here, unworthiness, fear, you know, all of the things. And so as I had more acceptance and as I mentioned, going in it for confidence, I had much more capacity to recognize myself as a magical being alongside all of the other magical, beautiful humans and others that uh, surrounded me in that time. And so that was really powerful to be able to name myself as something that I saw uh, so much beauty in and was finally able to recognize that in myself. And so I, um, it took me a very long time to label or name myself as a magical person, um, as an astrologer and tarot reader. And uh, it was quite a journey to get there that was not short and sweet. Um, it was layers and layers of slowly but surely, instead of saying, hi, I'm, you know, Chelsea, I'm in, you know, here's my corporate job. Slowly it was, oh, this space feels safe to say, hi, I'm Chels, I'm an astrologer and tarot reader. And then slowly that's become, hi, I'm Chels, I am a mystic because I can no longer quantify that I just do astrology and tarot. So I love so much that naming has so much power, but I also recognize and appreciate that we can wake up every single day or minute to minute and call ourselves something different. And it can mean different things in different spaces and we have the inherent power to assert what we mean and believe behind what we name ourselves. And that was a massive part of my magician's table journey. So, yeah. So rich. Yeah. Does that resonate for y'all? Oh yeah. The empowerment part is really, um, I think crucial. I, I was laughing at this prompt because I had forgotten that my application to the magician's table was just a list, right? Started with a list of I am statements, I think, that went four or five pages long. <laughs> uh, uh, declarations, unabashed, this chameleon self of myriad identities, that's who I am, right? This multiplicity of um, self, uh, very appropriate with my first house Uranus placement. Um, and that need to assert myself um, on more open spheres, I think, very telling with my Mars and Leo in my 10th. Um, but reinvention and change have always kind of been my bedfellow. So I'm the person who always wanted to hear about the specials. Um, and I hate to read the same book twice. Um, you know, I have friends and stories from so many time zones and zip codes, you know, collecting as many as I can foster. So, you know, to name myself, anything has always been this really radical act of being uh, a part of this universe, right. For me. And one that is often challenged by naysayers, both you know, externally, and then also from my own inner critic um, voice along the way, while I've shifted paths and acquired new costumes over the years and, you know, put on different kind of roles to play that I wanted to try on for a while. And some I kept, some I left behind, you know, like you said, Kels, Chels, um, we really get to 
decide, you know, that audacity part is like, where does this fit into my timeline? And that doesn't have to be something linear. I think um, realizing now what I should have more quickly was that, you know, each new complementary identity never has to subsume or take over the previous one and that we can acquire whomever or how many ever different identities, um, veils, cloaks, et cetera, that we want to wear. And that those aren't any less authentic uh, in terms of who we are. And that kind of top level of like, you know, magical self, I think when I entered the container, I'm not sure I thought of myself as a magician. And now um, I would be chagrined to not, you know, think of myself as a magical being, of course. And that identity seems so all encompassing, right? Like all of the other components of my being, you know, fit into that kind of amalgamous cell membrane, you know, that is um, being a magical, magical being. I love that. I think I feel like naming yourself really is like a mantle and it's an initiatory experience. Um, for me, I have had a very interesting experience with names growing up. So I've always gone by my middle name, even though I'm named for my Nana on my my paternal grandmother. But I was always called by my middle name. And so I always had to correct people because on all the legal documents in school, it was always my first name. And I'm like, oh, my name actually call me this. And they'd be like, but why? I say, well, that's my middle name. Well, why don't you go by your first? I don't know. I'm five years old. I don't have the answer. To <laughs> so it was always this interesting way of explaining who I was and what my name actually was. Um, and also being a, a namesake twice over both my first and middle names are family names. And that I think for a while I didn't really get that or I kind of resisted against it like, oh, I didn't have a choice in my name. And I'm supposed to be like this and um, you know the Italian side is very strong and so when I when I came time to when I was kind of becoming a magical person or feeling like I was on that path to really being like I want to feel like a magical person the magical person that I feel I am. Um, and that was relatively recently that was in like 2019 I was like okay I have to have a new name um, and I wanted it to be something that would project what I wanted to be and that first name on my Instagram was Thora Molly, which is a root for the root word for tourmaline, which was one of my favorite stones. But I then had an interesting uh, tarot reading with a friend. And she was reading for me. And she was communicating with her guides and she said, Oh, they're saying to call you Cole. And my name was always Nicole, my middle name but only family members and really close friends called me Cole. No one else knew that I was called Cole. So that idea was like, okay, I'm Cole. Like Thor Molly is a great name, but it didn't, it felt like something I wanted to try to be rather than a real expression of who I was at the time. Um, and then, so, so really going by Cole and feeling like, oh, am I like share like just one name am I like Beyonce, just one name. I mean, I do share a birthday with Beyonce, I have to say, oh. um, but yeah, it's the idea of, of naming yourself and really taking that space to feel like while I understand, like I have no, um, you know, difficulties with my own family name, but having that sense of, oh, I can, feeling all my life that I've had to explain what my name was and what to really call me. So I always felt like there was this liminality with names for me that uh, really kind of strike, strikes me as a part of the journey, for sure. I love that so much. When I first entered the professional woo space, 
Um, I have been going by Chelf and not groundbreaking, I know, but my full name is Chelsea. Uh, but to me, when I introduce myself as Chels, it's my version of Sasha Fierce. Got to bring in the Beyonce of it all. That's my like, this is I'm in this space. This is my my persona, my naming of myself that I am bringing to you. And I realized that Chels to me was the informal version of Chelsea. And that is so significant to me and showing up as who I fully am versus what I would like for you to see. Um, hello, my eighth house, stellium. <laughs> so <laughs> it's very much a power in choosing what we want to be called and in which situation and where and what feels so resonant to our core in who gets to call us what. Um, yeah, I really appreciate that, Cole. Thank you, I love the meta naming like discussion too. So not just naming ourselves <laughs> as a musician, but our names, because I also have like a name story. So I've been, you know, I've assumed now Lily of the Valley is my magical name. And that's what I was named after. Um, I'm Lily Christina. I was named after the Lily of the Valley. I have a Lily of the Valley tattoo. My mother was very explicit. That was the Lily I was named after. Um, and I love them. And I've known things about them over the years. They're poisonous, one nice allegory. Um, but I just recently, in, through an Oracle deck, learned that Lily of the Valley in the wild often grows um, in tandem and in symbiosis with elephant garlic. And it helps basically take care of the elephant garlic and keep animals from eating it because it itself is poisonous. And I'm also Italian and garlic, a garlic flower is one of my next tattoos. And I was blown away by this synchronicity because I, I also am a garlic protector my entire life probably <laughs> um, in all respects. And that idea of also coming back to my, you know, nature kind of, you know, wood child rooted <laughs> roots seemed very apropos as I, I got back into, you know, my kind of witch um, magical state that I was reclaiming as an adult. Oh, I love this. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think about like what even is a magical person or like what, you know, what is magic and what makes a magical person, a thing to belong to or not belong to, or like a thing to claim or not claim. And yeah, I was thinking about it today, how when I was a child, I would go in the backyard when it was windy and I would like raise my hands up and I would like talk to the winds. And like, that was really the element of the elements. It was air that I would um, feel myself wanting to to like enact my power with and then um, through childhood and adolescence like so many people I felt a kind of like loss of connection to the concept of magic or like the access to magic or like just the sense that the world invalidated whatever magic could be or felt like which I know is um, a grief that so many of us have known so in my adult life, the only time I would like use the word magical when looking back was when I would be referring to like theoretical frameworks in scholarship that I like blew my mind. Like if someone introduced a way of talking about things that completely shifted then how I thought about it, I remember I would just be like, that is so magical. <laughs> That is so magical. It was the only time I would use that word was like when someone was blowing my mind with a way they were framing something. And I think that if I was to say now what I do 
like the tool of my magic that I feel most connected to it is with mental like creating frameworks and using words and and air the element of air um so I think it's interesting to think about like how um our child self has things like we can look back on to remember ways that we were connecting with our magic and then through like maybe a period of being separated from that and maybe you weren't um not everyone does get separated but i think it's common um in the way we're conditioned today it's interesting to see the like little um openings that were there to like call us back to it and then feel us like in it again um in present time does that resonate with your experience of relating to to magic and like yeah i'm interested in teasing out what magic feels like to you yeah i think i had to also not necessarily redefine magic but shift what i felt magic was um I know I've shared this with you, Britton, my mom's dad was a magician, a sleight of hand magician. Um, and he dressed up as a clown. And he, so a lot of the times when he would visit, there was all this, he would teach us how to do certain tricks and things like that. So, but growing up, I had this pull towards the kind of magic that we're talking about, not necessarily that they have to be different or separated, but seeing it as a form of transmission and communication and connection. And I think that's what really, that's the, the um, defining thread for me. Magic feels like a connection, whether it's with other people, whether it's with the cosmos, the divine, however people want to feel that connection. Um, that's what magic feels like to me. And it can resemble different facets. It feels like different sides of something rather than this or that, or black or white or good or bad. Um, so that's how I think of it. I love that magic as interconnectedness that resonates so much with me. Um, I, I'm not even going to attempt to tell you what I think magic is like for me because I'm <laughs> such a watery person. I'm such split water fire, but I feel it. And so I just know, I just feel it and I just know. And so it's really hard to describe, but for me, it's those moments of the feeling of this is indescribable. It must be magic if there's not language for it, there must be magic there. And I think that's one of the reasons I was so drawn to astrology and tarot is it gave me new words. It gave me new language to get a little touch closer to be able to even describe what magic was for me. Um, I, growing up, found magic in nature quite a bit. Um, I grew up in a Southern evangelical Christian household. Um, that was fun, <laughs> but it was not um, okay to have all of the magic around you in an outward way. And so I found magic um, through feeling because it was not something that was necessarily okay to describe or talk about. And I've found over the years, as I've opened up more and more to the feeling of magic, I'm having these beautiful conversations that again, could not possibly describe all of magic, but are helping me to further define what it was that I felt as a child and find ways to connect back to it in that just huge beauty of interconnectedness that we all have. Um, yeah, that was a long way of saying that I can't describe magic, but. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. I, yeah, I have a parallel yet very different background 
Chelsea and coming as a child of back to the lander post-Catholic atheist hippie parents. <laughs> so I grew up in nature very much with an intense reverence for the natural world in the middle of the woods, you know, lots of time with, you know, quote unquote nature, you know, in a very woodsy sense. But my parents were um, nearly atheists and, and really had survived a Catholic upbringing that, that made them, um, you know, kick off organized religion. And my sister and I were raised, raised without any sense of ritual um, or really acknowledgement of spirit at all. Um, and yet I always knew I was spiritual, whatever that meant. And I would be touched by spirit through music, um, through love, you know, through interaction, inter interconnectedness with, with people, with community. And I wanted that feeling. It was a feeling, right? Like I knew that it existed. And even though I followed a very kind of similar to Britain, like academic science rooted rationale path, which I felt very comfortable in, in terms of how my air mind worked, um, it still left, you know, gaps at the end, you know, where quantum physics fills in and all these places as a 10 year old, I was quite excited to say metaphysics means there's an elephant, purple elephant in the other side of the room that we just can't see. And that was a reconciliation I had no issue with whatsoever. And then as I got older, you know, everything has to be proven and, you know, it's blah, blah, blah. And you forget that, you know, science doesn't say that it's an endpoint either, right? It's always about continued discovery and questioning um, and that interrogation and examination. And when I would use magic, it would be to describe music or um, my desire that everybody I everybody in the world and specifically everybody I care about find someone or people who see the magic in them. I used to say that all the time, meaning a lover, a partner, a, you know, a community, et cetera, but that we all have this intrinsic spark that's unique to us that deserves to be received and loved and adored by others, right? And that interconnectedness, again, is about recognizing that we all are magical. And that is a, a really democratizing, beautiful idea to me, right? Is that it isn't something about um, elitism or, you know, a, a certain acquired knowledge while, of course, learning and knowledge is important, but that you know, we forget that we've had these tools taken from us and that these belong to everyone and that, you know, the earth, the universe, we're all, we're all the same stardust and we're all allowed to be our righteous, magical beings that we are, right? And I think the world would probably be a much better place if we reclaimed that. <laughs> I will often say how I feel like science is just our really cute human attempt at figuring out magic. Um, so I love that you yes. said that, Lily, because I think that maybe once a day, <laughs> um, it's just indescribable. There's no way to prove or see or understand the mechanics. It's just magic. <laughs> yeah, I think that something coming through here is um, around this idea of claiming a belonging to something that some part of us knows I wonder if we already belong to but we haven't been shown that by an external source necessarily and at least for my part like the desire to belong becoming greater than my fear that I won't belong <laughs> eventually leading to the audacious naming of my own belonging <laughs> um yes I, I feel like in some some aspects 
there can be a sense in magical communities of like gatekeeping or um, insider outsider. But um, I'm I'm with you, Lily. I feel like we're actually all magical beings. <laughs> like it's already true. It's already here. It's really about uh, our own recognition of it and um, claiming of it. How does that feel? I feel like that for me really resonates, especially when I think of the magician's table, because I remember the promo from last year. I was like, oh, I, I can't wait for the day I'm ready for that. <laughs> and then I was like, that's just, oh, too bad. I just, I'm gonna have to sit this one out. And then I was like, wait, you know, because so, part of me is an eternal student. I love, you know, I think of the Hierophant card. I'm one of the, the little bald guys at the bottom. I love <laughs> And the idea of the magician's table being a, like this, not necessarily like like this a round table of this even leveled non hierarchical space when I am someone who is so comfortable with hierarchy. Okay, that's the teacher. I'm the student. I do this and that so that I can maybe get a little bit closer to being a teacher, but not just yet. And so the magician's table really um, encouraged me and pushed me to be like, there's a seat for you here. You just have to sit in it and learn from people that you it's the same way of learning from people it's just that i feel more like oh i can take up space here is anyone sitting here it's like at lunch when you had the the different experience <laughs> and stuff like that it's like someone sitting here and um you know I, as someone who you know it was that i didn't have to just eat by myself in the bathroom i could sit at the table with people that really had that that feeling of wanting similar things that I did, or even if it wasn't similar, it was with the same intent of recognizing that magic, reclaiming that magic, to use the word that Lily mentioned. Yeah. I think there's definitely some, you know, gatekeeping certainly that happens in the magical community. And, you know, if you're new to the scene, the, the jargon, um, you know, and the kind of bar to like entry may seem higher than it is. But I think one of the amazing things about the magician's table is this um energy and community that it fostered that really kind of skewed away from that kind of litmus test or you know time served you know seniority equals x you know kind of vibe um and really you know my goal would be to make you know the intuitive arts or whatever we call this as you know open and receivable for as many people as possible um you know and i think that um you know, when I've done readings thus far, you know, I'm able to connect with people again, just by that kind of connection level, you know, and, and you, you discover things together. Um, and I find that when I've gotten readings from other people as well, the people that, you know, meet me where I'm at, wherever it may be at that time, end up being the most resonant readings for me, you know, not necessarily the people with the longest resumes, etc. Um, so I, I think that we're, you know, in some ways compared to some subcultures, there might be some more level of inclusivity to some extent, I think, maybe because of the kind of um, parallels and connections to, you know, social justice and anti-racism that at least our magical community really um, puts front and center, which I think stays um, really critical when we're talking about that kind of development and, and community building. Yeah, absolutely. I think so much of what you both shared, it feels so right for my own experience in Magician's Table, because especially with <laughs> the Hierophant um, metaphor, I am also someone that's very comfortable with, okay, you're my boss, great, tell me what to do. Um, and so it was both, it was very 
empowering to be in a space where you were with equals and also was just exactly what I needed because I remember reading after reading like week after week I would be I would have these reactions in the group shares where someone would share what their experience with me in the reading and I would almost be looking over my shoulder like wait a minute who are they talking about because it can't be me I'm not that magical I'm not that powerful but week after week of that experience and I realized that all of these people I was receiving these readings from were getting just as much from the readings that I was providing and that just blew my mind because it felt like I was truly in this space of of being able to share in a you know equal way and when I first came into it, my perception was all of these magical people who I'm going to be learning from, but then to see those same magical people learn from me and my magic was just extraordinary. And so I think that um, that was such a special experience for me. And um, yeah, I think that the gatekeeping in the woo world, um, it can be you see it, you know it when you see it, I will say. Um, but I also have found that it's more minimal than I would have expected of any other industry, any other group um, that I've ever come across. And so, um, you know, I'll use the indescribable word of it's just magic. Chelsea, did you find too that some of the gatekeeping was from yourself? I mean, oh, I 100%. when I came when I came to TMT, I was I was at a juncture where I felt like none of my selves really fit together correctly at all, um, and I came in with this I'll put in quotes my cloak of newbie shame, as I would call it, <laughs> that I had to have this uh, like a perceived in my perceived inexperience was just gonna you know like I had to apologize from it at the outset, and I realized after one or two sessions that that was unnecessary and that we were all just here to be us um and that by be doing regular readings with other people in the container um you know there wasn't really any time to waste about being insecure or scared you just dove in and did it um and so you know it took me a little bit of time but you know after a, a, even a few weeks i was like i can do readings i have intuition planets the tarot like they're for me too you know absolutely i was 100 percent my own gatekeeper i'm real good at that and I, I have this habit, like highly do not, do not try this at home. Um, I have Uranus and Saturn straddling my rising and my ascendant in Sagittarius. And so my general demeanor is gatekeep, gatekeep, um, kick the fuck out of that door, kick it wide open and take the leap. And like, hopefully something will catch me. And so not going to lie, I did that with magician's table. <laughs> it was my... Thankful, thank you for my Jupiter lovely placements that catch me every time for when my Uranus says, fuck it, let's do it. And that was very much me for magician's table, but it was so hard for me to kick the Saturn wall down enough to get out of my own way. And, um, you know, that might be my Uranus right on the other side that is very much like, it's fine, take this one moment of you got this and just let it fly. Um, but it was a lot of me getting outside of myself and out of my own way, even to try not even to apply. And then week after week, having that experience of, oh my gosh, you've got a reading. Can you do this? And then it's like, yeah, yeah, you can do this because they're getting on Zoom in five minutes. So you're going to have to do this. So <laughs> I think I on Zoom in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real very real very real <laughs> i love that shells because my first reading for the magician's table i think it was at 4 p.m and at 11 a.m 
I got the scarf out. I'm like, I'm going to use this deck. I'm ready. I was just sitting for like four hours. I'm not kidding. And then I just played it off really kind of casually at the time. And then it, I love Chelsea that you mentioned too. Both of you mentioned the the shift that you can feel in the shares. You can kind of feel the voices get a little stronger. The voices get a little bit louder. The time shared get expanding just a little bit. Just that idea of really stepping into that power that you know happened different you know at different points and sometimes it would you know kind of cycle and it was very spiralic but you could see it happen and feel it when this person was like wow i i am a magical person i can do this and i love doing this i'm able to share this with people which is a joy absolutely yeah the uh, the trial by fire written <laughs> just to the structure of this the container the you know um the submersion approach of you know getting out there and having to do readings right away no matter your level of experience um was exactly what i needed and i was at such a depleted nervous system point at that point anyhow that i really needed some sort of shock and i i'd written down it was the nudge to open the fire hose of my spiritual creativity and the nudge off an exhilarating ledge and so somehow like the structured pace and format of the container like really was like, hello, fifth house, Pisces, conjunct palace, opposite sun in Virgo. And then Jupiter also in Virgo telling you to jump off that ledge. It was like, everything was perfect because I needed enough structure rather than just a pile of books, you know, to teach me how to do something. And the actual experiential component of it was like crucial. Yeah. Mm. Oh I lived goodness. a whole ass fool's journey in that three months, two and a half, three months. <laughs> starting with my let's do this, kicking the Saturn wall down, but I totally, yeah, agree that it was, I needed both of that structure in the, this is what you can expect. My Saturn loved that. And then my Uranus was like, great. We're going to be at my favorite word today, nerve sighted, nervous and excited all at the same time, every single time I gave a reading. So it truly fed exactly what I needed. And I, one of the things that felt so special is that in keeping in touch with some of the other people in my cohort and just um, meeting others who have gone through it, we all got exactly what we needed at that time. And that's just incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, y'all. Thank you. It's so wonderful to hear this. Um, do, would you say that the biggest challenge was actually applying or what was the, what was like the, what was the biggest ledge of all? Maybe, maybe it was the first zoom. <laughs> I, think I think for me it was applying. Go ahead, Chels. Go ahead. Oh, I think for me it was applying. It was just, you know, grabbing my balls and getting on the computer and saying, let's do this. That was my big ledge. <laughs> I was uh, one of the folks that I was like, oh, I, I, I guess I'll let the application window close because if it closes, then oh, well, I didn't um, you know, that kind of blame it on, blame it on the rain, blame it on, blame it on the universe. But I remember Britain and Mariola reaching out, um, asking if I was interested. And I'm like, I, I was like, because I had been interested, but I just felt like I couldn't do it or it wasn't the right time. And having that, that nudge, those, those beautiful nudges, I would like to say that I would have signed up regardless, but I, I really think those nudges really helped me because it was that idea of, Yes, we've 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 seen you. Like I took soft strength with Britain, um, and so it was just this idea of okay, well, someone believes in me at some point. So like I have, I can I can meet them halfway, or maybe a quarter of the way. 
and that would just build with magician's table. So I think that's the thing that I would say to people who are maybe on the fence that it's like that idea of um, I'm someone who loves to learn like by not doing and like observing and and kind of trying to control. But I know that I operate best when I just do it and learn that way. Um, someone that I, I met at a wedding said something like, I just have to jump and I'll learn how to fly on the way down. And that's a scary thing to let go of, especially being also being in academia for a long time. Academia was like my safety net, but also sometimes my shackle. And so really learning new ways of owning myself and expressing myself, but also just being like, this is what I love to do. And I don't want to waste time not doing it anymore. And so mm-hmm. Magician's Table really helped me with that and recognizing that and seeing other cool people that were in the same boat that were like, I've been putting this off for years and now I'm, I want to do it. Now is the time. I think it was after my first reading, which would have been with, um, uh, Oh, who was it with? Who's our beautiful Pacific Northwest? Oh, Aaron. Aaron, yes. I was very kind. I had Aaron, who was so experienced and very kind, right? So I'm sure nothing I would have said she would have ever even revealed to me remotely if I sounded off. <laughs> she was so kind. And I, like you said, um, Cole, I did so much preparation and I was working on these really thoughtful recycled altars that I was putting together for people during um, the pandemic, you know, over video and setting up my sound bowl, working on those kind of things. Um, but I, you know, did all this astrological research, you know, diving through charts, even when I could barely, you know, like maneuver around a natal chart like I can now and um and there was just something even within our conversation where I could tell Aaron felt um moved like and touched you know and then listened to and attended to and loved and I was like well I have this, these things to give and so I'm just going to roll with it and and see where that takes me and each week I would come more into my confidence and also more into a humbling state I think too of feeling really honored to to get to witness what I was witnessing in others and for their time and their energy and the privilege to look at their charts or to read cards for them. Um, and yet each week I'd feel more um, kind of inspired. I'd uh, pick up some wind chimes or then I found my flute and I was, you know, by the end I was like singing and holding my flute with one arm and playing my sound bowl and leading these, you know, 10 minute guided meditations. And I'm like, who am I? Um, but I, you know, that was like, the the table was so amazing at holding space for all these insecurities and fears right at, like it was okay to show up scared or uncertain um and and yet my lack of you know expert status was completely like swallowed into the fold and just taken in as you know another part of my authentic self mm. I love that. I love all this. <laughs> you know, I think um, I've always been so moved by Montessori classrooms where you have different ages and ability levels all working together and learning from each other and with each other. I love the idea that like basically anyone can sit down at something like a magician's table and learn from someone who is has never given a reading because we're I feel always in the process of getting closer to understanding how our gifts want to move through us which is always emergent and so we can always enjoy the process of learning to practice our gifts with other people 
Absolutely. I crave readings. Um, when I'm not super booked, I'm like hitting up my friends. Like, Can I read for you today? What do you got going on? Because I just love it so much to have that connection point with people. So I'm curious what have been the expected or unexpected consequences of um, naming yourself, of claiming yourself? Um, what has moved through your life in maybe ways that you weren't anticipating? There was a lot for me in the course of Magician Stable, especially um, with naming myself in a lot of ways. And it's this morning I pulled a card. I pull a card before just about everything. Uh, and this morning it was Eight of Cups and it just hit me over the head with to be able to come to the place where I was comfortable in naming myself as this magical being, I had to release a lot of names that I already had. And whether that was naming a relationship or naming a career or naming a way of being or attitude, there was a significant amount of release and bittersweet walking away, eight of cups style that happened for me in magician's table. Um, a lot of my relationships shifted. Um, I came out as woo <laughs> to my family, which was, um, it's, <laughs> I called my mom and said, mom, I have to tell you something and just immediately started bawling, which was a great start. Um, but it was wonderful and she was receptive and I had put up a lot of my fear around what that reception would have been like. And it was just an incredible blessing, but it also shifted our relationship quite a bit in where my boundaries needed to be, all of that. And so um, between that, I had a breakup through the course of Magician's Table that was um, really needed to happen. And instead of naming myself as this now sad, lonely, single person, I had this very, very different shift in being alone and naming that is powerful. Um, and I, I actually, quit my job. Um, but in the Saturn first house way of I gave six months notice. Um, <laughs> and I, I made that choice during magician's table after just the first few weeks, it, you know, I knew like, this was it, I can't imagine doing anything else than embracing the magic in my life and in my being and offering that out into the world in whatever way it chose to manifest. But there was a lot of releasing of names um, that needed to happen before I was ready to take on that, um, that cloak, that mantle, as you said, Lily, of being an astrologer, being a tarot reader, being a mystic, a magician. And so it was, um, it was interesting. It felt almost as I picked up confidence and I picked up a new way of framing or describing myself, I felt a little release every time. And um, it wasn't easy, but it was so absolutely necessary and I'm incredibly grateful. You can add me to that breakup club as well. I don't know how many, how many breakups were there. It different? was over half of our cohort had either a divorce or a breakup. That's not a joke. Not, not, not as there's nothing to warn anyone listening yeah. out there. No. It, they were all very needed, yes. cathartic and important breakups. But it was also perfect for all of us to be going through those things at the same time. I mean, I think coming to the magician's table with such a personal energy like that, you know, I, I, 
I hadn't realized what a spiritual crisis um, my depression and anxiety had really placed me in until I kind of woke up into my magical life with this container. Um, and the sense of agency I've been able to embody since then, even though it's you know not a linear path up, nor should it be, um, has just been epiphanal. And one of the most exciting elements for me is that it's propelled me outside of my own, you know, narcissism and reminded me of the the human, the universal being, the the activist that I am, right? And so, you know, growing into these modalities, while my mom, you know, is is a skeptic still. Um, she watched me basically, you know, pull myself out of, you know, the worst depression of my life. And now we were reinvigorated to have these great conversations about philosophy and cosmology, climate justice, anti-racism, queer rights, you know, things we talked about as a progressive family for years, but had kind of, you know, let to the wayside in the depressive bitterness of the political scene of the last, you know, decade or so. And, you know, I watched, you know, um, my curiosity, right, uh, you know, that I found again through magic, really um, connect me back to that larger um, intersectionality that, you know, I, I was always aware of, and that I really wanted to, to elevate. Um, and so I, I feel like, so inspired to towards a burgeoning future of a better future. And that sounds cheesy, but you know, whether it be romantic work relationships, I find that now I'm showing up in a more authentic way. I'm challenging authorities, you know, without question, you know, standing up where I need to crafting plans that, you know, will bring about the revolution, hopefully. And in these ways where we can identify how our micro actions have these reverberant, you know, effects into the larger universe. And it's so important every way we live and interact and engage with people. Um, and, I think, you know, now I realize how much of this is, you know, it's kind of that generational Libra, um, Pluto and Libra, you know, vibe, but also I have, you know, that Pluto's in my 12th house. So I feel like this has been my whole life has basically been um, like my 12th house Libra screaming, like, or sending dream visions, like along the zodiacal back to my Scorpio AC. Um, and now I'm really like compelled to take those actions into like, you know, the human realm and, and, you know, try to blow up this dystopian distortion that we've been asked to swallow. Um, so yeah, like social activist Lily was always the same as witchy Lily. And, you know, thank goodness I found this community to help me wake up and get out of my own fucking ass, right? Oh, feel that. <laughs> wow. Love that. I, I feel like for me, it's like the the eight of cups really resonates in that idea of also just breaking cycles of or patterns I felt like I think I was feeling a lot like the ten of wands like holding so many wands that oh but this was comfortable I've grown up with a lot of these wands it's just I know how to hold them at this point um and so there were patterns I outgrew there were people that I outgrew and that was really hard for me to do because there were people to kind of go back to that hierophant metaphor that depended on me being down and on my knees and in a different place and so for me to stand, it's like, well, now I, that was uncomfortable for them. And so I had to decide rather than appease people or these patterns that I had to, you know, if that wasn't something that they could accept, then they couldn't really accept me as my most magical self, which is myself. So what, you know, it's hard, to, especially being a Virgo son in the fourth house, it's like, oh, I'd love to be of service and so it's like oh I'll, I'll set aside myself to make room for you not to sound like a martyr but just that that's something I feel comfortable with but the the pushing to really come into myself and who are, who are the people that are still with me 
as myself, um, you know, so I, I feel like the words are kind of jumbling in my mind, which happens sometimes, but I think that, but another positive consequence is that my, my grandmother, my mom's mom, loves having these conversations with me. She loves for me to read her tarot cards. Um, and, you know, see, she is from, she remembers like energy healers from Cebu in the Philippines that her father would go to. So there is this, this deep tie to um, healing and working with others that is in my family. So it feels like that's just a reconnection to that part and also a a kind of fu to colonialism and capitalism too as part of it. Um, so the consequences have been, or, or the unintended, unforeseen things has, have, you know, I think they have to be unforeseen in order for them to really be as influential as they are. But we can handle them, for sure, without a doubt. I, you sharing that eight of cups and sort of putting yourself first is um, really resonant for me right now because I'm currently reframing what it means to call myself selfish. Um, I am, I will be there for you all day constantly. And I have a North node in Aries in my fifth house conjunct my IC. That is not what I'm here in this lifetime to do. I'm here to choose me over and over and over again. And so, of course, that's the hardest thing is to choose me and figure out how selfish doesn't have to be a bad connotation. It can mean taking care of myself so that when I do have the capacity to show up for others, I can actually do that. So your story feels very resonant with me, Cole. And I feel like many, many friends um, who I also know. I feel like what I'm hearing is that like the how wild it is that when we do the thing we didn't think we had permission to do which is to give our focus to hearing and accessing our unique gifts and the unique frequency of like what we can channel from inside ourselves we then are actually so much more able to show up for the collective and for other people and for the future that we're calling in um, with just such clarity and empowerment. Um, and that to me just blows my mind because it rips apart everything that I thought I was supposed to do. Hard same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, getting rid of the supposed to and like the idea yes. of the expectations because there, I used to have so much I still do sometimes I can't I can't say like I'm totally, you know, healed in that regard I still put a lot of um, energy in what people think about me and how I can um, be be of assistance in that way, but I think that the sense of um, self is really the key. Yeah, that, that's that's come to and again, I think it is like the idea of not necessarily thinking of having that negativity about the selfishness or but really you owe it to yourself and and not in the transactional way but it's part of you yeah mm -hmm. and then you show up more like you said you know i mean mm -hmm. i i can't imagine i mean things in my life are not settled now it's not like i'm past transition point or <laughs> i'm still amidst my uranus transitions or uh, uh transits of course um but uh, uh, Uranus and Neptune transits. Um, but um, like, I think back to just the past six months and I don't think I could have faced 
like shown up and faced a lot of the stuff that I've had to just face in my day-to-day life as if that's separate again from your magical self, but, you know, here, you know, in the, the capitalist grinds, um, in a way where, you know, I was able to, to process it, you know, in, in, a, in a, a better way that wasn't tearing me down or bringing me back to this point of you're not good enough or no one, you're too much for everyone, or, you know, you take up too much space or you have to apologize, you know, for everything you say. And, you know, it's like, I, I, I want to own everything I say, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt people, of course, but I, you know, like you said, Chelsea, you have to make choices for yourself and you have to live into your own being. Otherwise you're not being true to anyone and you're not going to be a help to, to anyone at all. Certainly not yourself or anyone else. Yeah. I don't remember where I heard this, but I say it in my head to myself at least once a day. And I said, when you grow up in the South, you know, it's serious if you had the middle name. So in my head, it happens, Chelsea Leanne, do not should all over yourself. <laughs> and I swear, I say that to myself in my head at least once a day when I'm having that moment of, oh, but I should do this or, but I should, you know, because this person expects blah, 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 whatever. Nope. Chelsea Leanne, do not should all over yourself. You need to choose yourself. And it's really hard. And it's something that for me is a lifelong journey. And I think for many of us is similar where it's not a one and done aha. It's a, you got to live it and it gets easier as you live it, but it's never going to stop challenging you. So, yeah. No, it's such a fucking honor to witness you and all that you've learned in the last year. Um, Thank you for sharing your stories today. Will you share what's emerging for you now? And if you want to send people to see what you're up to, um, anything you want to share here at the end about what's emerging now? Um, Yeah, I'll go. Um, So I will be honest, I'm in the throwing of spaghetti at the wall phase in a lot of ways with my business, but I'm also realizing that might just be me and how I do life. So right now, um, I am offering readings virtually and selectively in person around Dallas, Texas. Um, I have a weekly forecast podcast called Weekly Woo with Chels um, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and I have a Patreon that goes along with that. Um, but I, I do a lot of different things. I am very much a, you know, ooh, something shiny. Let's try that on and see how it feels. So um, if you want to keep up with me, you can go to www.thiswoowoostuff.com um, or she's into this woo-woo stuff on Instagram. And I always post there whatever my most current offerings look like. Thank you. I love so that. I, oh, go for it. Yeah. I was just going to say, I love that name, Chels. No, go ahead, Lily. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, um, I'm coming off of some long tra- travel and transition. So I've just been kind of acquiring books and podcasts and, and things to, you know, explode and open all of my paradigms. Um, but uh, while uh, capitalism is still my time claimant, I've started offering some real life expertise. I'm a research librarian um, to uh, some budding astrologers who are working in an independent study course with another astrologer friend of mine. So I'm going to be helping them with things like primary source um, research, um, research methods, reference work, you know, things like that. Lots of the academic stuff that we love. Um, but in my new home, I'm starting to 
do in-person readings, um, participate in an event center um, actually downstairs from my new apartment, um, done some oracle and tarot readings, had wonderful reception, working on probably some community sound bath work as well. This is up and uh, near Gechigumi, uh, also known as Lake Superior, native land of the Ashokanabe um, in Northern Wisconsin. Um, so hopefully in the next couple months, I'll expand that further. I'm always interested in connecting with anyone virtually. You can find me on Instagram at Lily Christina, L-I-L-Y-C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A on Instagram. Um, I love to make connections with no endpoint. So let's just uh, create community and the future that we all want to together. Come talk to me, please. Send me a book recommendation, anything. I love, <laughs> I love that. So to borrow Chels's um, metaphor, I'm in the collecting ingredients for spaghetti phase. I've got my pasta queen machine that I inherited from my great grandma. Um, and I am gathering my materials. So I'm on Instagram under Rosie Cole Reads, R-O-S-I-E-C-O-L-E-R-E-A-D-S. Um, I do have a fledgling substack that I am watering every now and then, uh, but I do have, um, I'm looking at Spring Equinox for more uh, expansion and more visibility there, but I love, I'm, I'm a tarot nerd, I'm a magic nerd, um, just love connecting with people. So uh, Instagram is probably the most, where I'm most active. Mm, thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank, thank you for being our, again. our catalyst and our, our way shower and fellow magician at our table. Oh. <laughs>
really took hold in a way that was like, we're not returning from this. Because to initiate this kind of self-naming was to initiate all kinds of other processes, healing processes, alchemy processes, embodiment processes, um, ways of creating stories about my life processes, (laughs) ways of relating to other humans, um, ways of thinking about my gifts, ways of thinking about what service means, ways of thinking about visibility and what I owe people when it comes to what they think about how I show up. And I just initiated so many things through the audacity of my self-naming. And claiming magical person as a concept that I was allowed to be me as this like super intellectual academic hyper educated person meant to like trained to participate in the life of elite culture elite white culture and just like really allowing the kind of I think the aspect of the ridiculousness of magic to that world being a key ingredient to like blowing that identity up so that I could let it die. Like how, what do I need to do to really create a death process? Like, yeah, we're a lot of things got to die here, you know? And it's almost like, There's something about being magical that is so threatening to the mechanics of what I've been like conditioned in. And when I say I, I know I'm saying it knowing that people are resonating with this as their own experience. It was like so radical and so so outside that um, it was going to initiate all these other things, you know? And it was just sort of like allowing that to kind of root in me just started to change everything. It just started reverberating from my body in waves. And it was like, this is now happening. Here we go. You know, and so it takes a lot of audacity (laughs) to initiate this kind of a death process, you know. Now, that doesn't mean that it's um, such a massive reverberation for everyone. Um, Some people come into the magician's table who have been on their magical path for quite some time, maybe decades they may be very rooted in many aspects of their magical identity. And then there'll be people who like cannot believe they're finding themselves in this class called the magician's table. Like I kind of needed the ridiculousness of the name of this to just flaunt how dead my previous allegiances are, 
you know, and the unlearning. So, um, once you say you want this, there's a reverberation process and, and it has force dependent on how new, I think how new you are to this claiming, how new you are to this self naming. And, um, but everybody comes in because there's something that they're a little bit terrified of exploring. That's why we need the intimacy of the group. That's why we need these really cared for energetics for a vulnerability space to practice doing something that you're not sure. Like you may have no evidence that you can point to about what it's going to be. And so you're going in a little bit in the dark. Maybe it's because you're creating this entirely new offering for this magical, in the magical field you've been in a long time. Maybe you're switching modalities within the magical realm. And maybe you have a corporate job and a beloved personal tarot practice and you want to see what it will be like to actually give tarot readings for other people. Everyone's welcome. Because we are not um, caretaking each other's... uh, like outcomes, you know, we are witnessing one another. We are creating a net of support and cheerleading and attunement for one another, but everyone's on their own path, exploring that edgy thing, that zingy thing that they're building into their identity and they're in the naming of. And, um, this is a space that is like, woven with the energetics of supporting you through the zinginess and um, letting it kind of like ripple through the group each one having like certain weeks and certain time periods where some people are a little more in the reverberation than than others and we just like hold each other like a net and Uh, the container holds it, the container holds it so that you like bring that audacity down through your body, all the way down, all the way through, letting it infuse all that you are changing timelines, moving you into this energetic of like, I am a person who audaciously shows up to my life. Like, I am congruent with the concept audacity when it comes to naming what's ready to be named about how magical I am. And I'm willing to be with whatever comes up, whatever emerges in the process of that naming to help me land even more inside of it and deeply inhabit my magic even more. And embracing this concept of emergence is going to help me trust that 
there are no outcomes, there is being present with what's emerging. And that the present self is taking care of what's here now and like handing off to the future to a future self that they trust will know what to do with all this emergence later. <laughs> Not my problem right now. It's, a, it's a, an experience of presence. <sighs> so, if you're curious about the Magician's Table, applications are very much coming in already. I'm going to be looking them over in the order that they've been submitted on February 23rd because February 22nd is early bird deadline. And so there are price tiers for this offering and people are naming in those applications their preferred price tier and they're naming which day of the week that they would like to attend. And what I'm looking for in the application is their resonance with the energetics of this container based on what the magician's table feels like it is in 2023 as you're hearing me describe it to you as you're actually feeling the energetics in your body, giving you a foreshadowing of what it will feel like when you're inside of it. And so if this is resonating for you, I'm encouraging you to just click the check out the course page in the show notes, read through it, feel into your body, feel into your resonance, feel into do I have questions, feel into... What is coming up for me as I'm reading this? What is coming up for me as I'm hearing about this? Because what is coming up for you is really important information. Whether you end up in this space or not, that's the really important information I'm encouraging you to just spend some time with. And... And reach out to me if you have any questions. Um, you can also go ahead and click on the application. You don't have to fill it out, but you can click on it. You can get a feel for the questions. And you can just like let it speak to your dream world. Like let it just kind of come in and talk to you and just feel like this is a no. Okay, this if this is a yes, what do I need to do? And... Um, what you need to do if it's a feeling like a yes for you is I, w- I recommend like journaling, pulling cards, um, asking for guidance from, from that which supports you, human and non-human, feeling into like what do I need to do with this information of a yes here and help you to craft answers to that application from this place of your truth voice speaking about the resonance. I'm not looking for skill or experience or like evidence of how much you love your modality as much as I want to know about what's coming up for you as you feel into the resonance to this. Tell me about that. 
Tell me about what's blooming inside of you if you're feeling that resonance. Tell me that story. That's the story that I want to know about in your application. I don't, I'm not, I'm not concerned. Don't worry about me being concerned that you have like certificates and who you studied with or any of those things. Tell me about what resonates here. What came up in your body, in your heart, for you mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, and why you feel that now is the time, even if you're terrified, (laughs) even if you're worried you don't have enough time, even if you're afraid about spending money on yourself, all of those things can be here, but there's something that's calling you to this, and that's what I'm interested in hearing about. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you once again to Lily, Chels, and Cole. Please connect with the three of them through the links in the show notes if their voices are resonating with you. And until next time, please take care.